Podcast. You're listening to Open Mic Law and Gospel on this Friday, March the 15th, in the year of our Lord, 2019, which means you can somewhat take over the microphone simply by calling me and asking a question. In St. Louis, the number is 821-0850. Toll-free is one 800 7302727 and it can be any theological question you have on your mind i can't promise i'll be able to answer it for two reasons number 1 i might not know where the answer is in the bible and number 2 there may be no answer to it and we'll have to wait till heaven to get to it but if there is an answer in the bible i'm unaware of i will probably bring it up on the following Open Mic Friday, or maybe even on Monday, if it's going to fit with the uh, readings, which we'll be doing for the third Sunday in Lent, and be taking a look at those. So without any hesitation, uh, give me a ring here at, as I said, 821-0850 or 1-800-730-2727. And so we're going to start off with Herman. Hi, Herman. You're on the air. Thank you, Pastor Baker. I was listening to the Bible study just previously on Chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain and Abel, and it struck me that the difference in their worship is that Abel is worshiping in the promise given to Eve of the descendant uh, who will be fulfilled is in Jesus who is Jesus, who will crush the head of Satan. He is worshiping uh, with an offering of a lamb, and that is pointing to that, whereas Cain is not. He is not in that prophetic worship. Would that be a... Both of these men are sinners, but one is in the prophetic worship of the Savior to come. The other is not. Would that be an accurate rendering of that uh, account? Well, there is no doubt that if God is not accepting a offering, it's always because of some sort of unbelief. Remember, uh, Jeremiah talks about, oh, the people saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, Uh, you are wrong, Jeremiah, we will not be destroyed because the temple of the Lord is there, and we are bringing offerings all the time. But, of course, their offerings were not properly motivated. They were out of self-interest, and they did not believe the promises of the need for a Messiah to come and take away their sins. So I don't have any problem with what you're saying in regard to Cain's sacrifice. There is not a mention why his sacrifice was specifically Uh, denied by God, but it would definitely have to be out of a form of some kind of unbelief, and I think your answer is as good as any other. It would say essentially that uh, Abel was the first of the prophets who were uh, uh, put to death later under Israel for carrying and proclaiming the Word of God. Well, there's no doubt because Abel gave a proper sacrifice, and Cain was jealous of that, and was not happy at all with uh, the way God was looking at Abel. And aren't we having that kind of situation even in the United States where Christians are being persecuted because we're standing up for the Word of God? Oh, yes. 
these these anti-Christian forces come from multiple sources, but they all have the opposition to the truth of Jesus Christ. Yes, I think that's a really good point. And why specifically uh, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, that was chapter 4, verse 3, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And then it just says, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Remember, what was the first offering of an animal in the Bible? Uh, It would be uh, the animal skins that God uh, gave Adam and Eve. Exactly. And so it's possible that God was requiring uh, an animal sacrifice. And, of course, uh, Cain would have had to go to Abel to get that, and he wasn't prepared to do that, so he brought the fruit of the, the ground instead. And for some reason... The Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Cain got real angry, and why is your face fallen? The Lord says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. You must rule over it. And obviously he was not. Because in the very next section, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Uh, that would essentially, uh, with the connection going through to the later prophecies of the Old Testament pointing to Jesus and Jesus' fulfillment of them, means that that episode in Genesis chapter 4, where that is set forth, is essentially real history. Oh, it absolutely is. There is... Nothing in the Bible written as history that is inaccurate. And that includes the creation of the world, the fall of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And you just keep right on going through with Abraham and all this. And what's kind of surprising to me is people who are archaeologists seem surprised sometimes when they find evidence uh, for these individuals And I don't know why they're so surprised, because even if you don't find any evidence outside of the Bible, you have all the evidence you need inside the Bible. Yes, especially since uh, 19, uh, after World War II and the establishment of the State of Israel, there's been a huge cascade of these discoveries coming out. And even just recently, you hardly can keep up with them. Oh, it certainly is. And it's, it's kind of important to realize that... When I went through the seminary, I learned an awful lot, but we still are learning things. The Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, was a real find, and some of the items they found in there helped us to understand the Bible. But there are still lots of questions I have that we haven't yet figured out what the Bible means. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about a baptism of the dead, and there's about 20 different interpretations there. Ten of them are wrong because they contradict other parts of the Bible, but any of the other ten could be right, and I'm not sure just what it means. The people who heard Paul talking about that, they knew what it meant, but we don't have any record of that right now. Well, thank you, Pastor Baker. And thank you for calling. I really appreciate that. And as I indicated, our numbers here, if you want to talk to me, 821 
1-800-730-0850. Toll-free, 1-800-730-2727. And we even take calls all the way from Alton, Illinois. Hello, Sandy. Hi, Pastor. Just a short comment about uh, the refusal of God accepting Cain's offering. To me, it almost seems like that that's the first uh, inclination of uh, works righteousness. Oh, absolutely. Yes. In fact, everything in the Bible is a law and gospel point of view. Absolutely. Yeah, that you make that point very well. And we're also told in Scripture, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And he substituted, and it was his it's works righteousness, Pastor. And um, so that's my comment. It's short today. Thank you. Okay, thank you for calling. And anyone else can call in. That work righteousness goes throughout the whole Scripture. In fact, there's no doubt about it that when God becomes angry with his people, it's because they have moved away from the gospel to work righteousness. Now, what's the difference? There is no other religion in the world that has gospel as does Christianity. So I need to explain that. Every other religion, they think they're agreeing with Christianity in having the law. But what they misunderstand is the purpose of the law in regard to becoming saved. They believe that the law is a means to obey and therefore merit salvation. And that's probably what Cain was doing there in giving of the offering that he thought was more suitable than Abel's. What's the gospel then? Is the gospel a power source to help us to obey the law in order to be saved? No. The law makes very clear there is not one righteous man on earth who does good and does not sin. So we have this huge problem of sin. How do we get rid of it? The gospel is not a means by which we can stop from sinning. The gospel saves not because of what we do when we hear the gospel, but because of what we believe. Christianity is the only religion in the whole world that faith saves. Every other religion in the world, and I challenge anyone to debate me on this, you're saved by not your faith, but your obedience to whatever are the laws of that particular religion. Now, some laws are common throughout all religions. I'm pretty confident that every religion believes thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. But there are other commandments that God set aside, particularly for his people, such as thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, or remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That wasn't something that other religions have any notion of. Now, they may have a time when they worship, but they don't understand what the Sabbath really is, which can occur on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, uh, Lenten services. In fact, this week I did Lenten services on uh, 
Wednesday night to two congregations, and then again on Thursday night to two congregations. And we'll be preaching this Sunday again to two congregations. So this is a wonderful opportunity in order to share the gospel. Now, if you are not saved by obedience to the law, that means the law is commanding you what you are to do. So how does that work with the gospel? If you're saved through faith in the gospel, what the gospel is encouraging you to do is not be obedient to be saved, but to believe the promises of the gospel. It's just totally different. Tell tell me in any other religion a promise that you'll find He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now, that's not found in any other religion where faith saves and baptism or some other rite gives assurance of your salvation. So God has many ways in which he shares this message of law and gospel. And it's just... Clearly, that Cain was not keeping law and gospel straight. He did not believe the promise given in Genesis 3.15. And that promise was to the serpent, the devil, that, yes, you'll wound the heel of the coming Messiah through the seed of Eve, but in the process, he'll crush your head. And that's what happened at the cross that the devil was totally defeated and the words, it is finished, doesn't mean that what Jesus did is finished. Yeah, he finally was able to do what was necessary. No, what it means is what we have to do is finished because we don't have to do anything. So I had a sermon recently. How do you convince someone to become a Christian? And we were looking at that passage from Romans, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he is risen from the dead, you will be saved. Getting someone to just confess that by saying the words doesn't save anybody. That is not a passage for unbelievers as to how they can be saved. It is a passage for believers who already believe those two items That is the assurance that they are saved. Uh, By the way, this is Open Mic Friday. You want to call in St. Louis, 821-0850. Toll free, 1-800-730-2727. A lot of religions not only do not understand the distinctions between law and gospel, but they confuse them very often, even in their sermons. Uh, for example, last uh, yesterday, Issues Etc. had a really interesting half hour where they were talking about how church buildings are constructed shows a different theology than from years before. You can go overseas and maybe even here occasionally in the United States 
and find a church building that has been around for 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 700 years, 1,000 years, because they were built with the best. Today, many churches, especially that are somewhat contemporary, are built out of materials that are meant to last about 40 years. And the New York Times, they were saying, had an article about certain churches that have been around for decades hardly need any repair at all. Uh, Sometimes the people who are there will maybe add on another room or something or repaint the inside or whatever, but the building is really standing well. And then in that article, they were talking about how many churches in New York it appears will have to be demolished because the structure has become so weak that it is dangerous for people to be in there. And that's because they were not built out of the best of materials. Just read Solomon's building of the temple. Talk about the best of materials. He, he even went to other lands to uh, get the proper wood. And it was no doubt a wonder of the world. And it would have lasted forever had not the Babylonians come in and destroyed it due to the unbelief of many in Israel at that time. But it's important to understand the article or the broadcast was talking also about, and it kind of fits in with what Wes Reimnitz was saying, that a lot of churches today are not places of worship, but places for something else. And they got into that subject by saying some churches just are large buildings and they're kind of like a theater. And you see this on TV all the time where the head person, I hate to say the word pastor here, that they're in the center of a stage walking back and forth with a microphone they have in their hand and everybody else is in theater seating. Now, what kind of theology is that? That shows an entertainment kind of theology. And there's humor, and there's a lot of what we would say is inappropriate in sermons because they're not talking about the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection to pay for your sins. You know what they're talking about? Self-help. You can really do what you wish to do if you only have enough faith. Enough faith, and they don't mean faith in Jesus Christ because he's given no promise to you that you're going to be wealthy, that you're going to have a wonderful family, a nice car, a beautiful house, etc. No, there's no promises in the Bible there, so it's not proper faith. It's proper faith in the idea that once you have a desire in your heart, If you really work on it, God will fulfill it. Well, there's no promise of that either. But it's a self-help sermon, and no wonder people are sitting in theater kind of seating because they got big screens up there, because they're using the latest fun songs for worship. And people tend to go to these because there's no proper preaching of the law. 
What do I mean by that? The people are not accused of falling short of the glory of God and needing a Savior. What they're accused of is not having enough faith in themselves. And here's how you can be really successful. This is also a way in which church buildings are built. They're built in such a way that people are seated for entertainment purposes, and that way the money will be flowing in because people like a good entertainment show. But what happens at these churches is people don't last very long at them, maybe three, four, five years, and then all of a sudden the promise that they the promises they heard from the stage aren't coming true in their life like it came true in the life of the person walking around the stage. This is why the center of a worship service, number one, should be the altar of Jesus Christ. And then the pulpit. And the pulpit is really important because we often we'll have vestments on and we stand in the pulpit to preach. Why do we do that? We do that because we do not want to become the center of attention. And so we clothe ourselves in somewhat what the Bible was talking about with vestments or albs, and we therefore want the people to concentrate on the words we are saying because what do we get to say? It's from the transfiguration of Jesus we just celebrated a few weeks ago. And that is, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Now, a proper preacher, therefore, he needs to echo what God says in his holy word. And that way, you're not hearing the preacher, you're hearing Jesus himself. I mean, that's what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. Did did he give uh, evidence for all the historical events that occurred in the Bible? No. He just assumed them to be true and went from Genesis through Malachi. And what was he talking about? He was talking about where he is present throughout the whole Old Testament scriptures. And it was to answer the question that those disciples had who were really confused after the crucifixion of Jesus. And they were still confused when they heard that women had seen the risen Lord. Why did he die on the cross? And so that road to Emmaus experience was the answer that everybody was thinking who are unbelievers that the way to be saved is be obedient. And Jesus was saying, no, no one can be obedient enough to merit salvation. Therefore, I came into the world. At my baptism, I became sin for you. And at the crucifixion, I died as a human being. And that sin was therefore paid for by my death on the cross. As I said, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? That is really good news for us, who as believers will never be forsaken by God. What does that mean? Does it mean that 
When we die, he'll take us to heaven. Well, it does mean that. But more importantly, it means there's no time when you are here on earth that God has left you, that he's always watching over you. And therefore, you have nothing to fear. Nothing can happen to you that God is not watching over, in charge of, and making sure that you will not get that which moves you no longer to believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, how a church is built, what goes in a sanctuary, you can tell a lot about the theology. There are churches that refuse to put a cross in their sanctuary because they think that offends certain people and they won't come to church. Well, I don't see that attitude on the part of Jesus. He was not afraid of offending people because that was a message that he had come to preach. I'm Tom Baker. Till Monday's Long Gospel, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.